Hi, I'm Kimmy Jane, a corporate girl by day and a model, pageant girl and podcast host by night. Welcome to the Boss Chick Podcast, where I'll interview women from diverse backgrounds on life, careers and confidence, so you can learn, laugh, grow and be inspired along the way. Be sure to like, review and subscribe as that would mean so much to me. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in to my next episode. Hi, Shana. How are you? Hello. Is it working? Yeah, everything's working. Yeah, finally. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, my absolute pleasure. How's your day been? Hectic. Um, We've had so much going on. We're organizing the cover of Style Up for this month and then a whole bunch of auditing for Amplify Beauty. So it has been a big day already. <laughs> well, Pump day. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining the show today. I appreciate it. I know you have a very busy schedule. So without further ado, let's get straight into today's episode. Shana, could you start by giving the audience a introduction to help them get to know you a little better? My name is Shana Smith. I am the founder and CEO of Amplify Beauty Australia and most recently the managing editor of Style Up Publication. Thank you. Now, Shana, you are the CEO of Amplified Beauty. That is absolutely incredible. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about where your journey in the beauty industry first began? Yeah, well, um, so originally, um, probably heard it a million times if readers are familiar with my name, but I'm from a small town, Broken Hill, um, and sadly lost my mom when I was 16. And at the time, I was still quite ambitious and said, you know, I want to have a company one day, I want it to be beauty and, and makeup and um, not really diving into much because you're young and wanted her to name it and so, so glad that she did when she did because she did pass away shortly after. So I guess that for me was the drive and the push to get it done. Um, it did take eight years to get there, but we we got there, which is the main thing. I think it's not how long it takes. It's as long as you get there, right? So yeah, a bit of adversity there of um, leaving school in year 11 to essentially keep up with life from there and what that looked like at the time to finally move to Melbourne and um, very fortunate to put myself through makeup school. And I think that really mirrors her parenting style. And it's something I talk about a lot now that I'm a bit older is, you know, had she not been hard on me and taught me to be independent, I would have had no idea what I was doing and wouldn't have had those transferable skills to, to you know, take on life at 16. So yeah, after makeup school, I worked for Sephora for a few years as a makeup artist and, and grew my experience, my knowledge with you know different brands and what's trending and how do different products work against or with each other and um, how to work with other artists and those sorts of things to eventually brought me to Adelaide and started S Smith Artistry um, I believe it was another two three years and then we started diving deep to build Amplified Beauty so I'm so sorry guys a long journey there I had to wrap that up as best as I could no, I know you probably shared your journey quite a few times given your success. And I did find multiple interviews online where you have shared your incredible journey. Do you remember the moment where you first had that inspiration to create your own cosmetics line? Um, I just always loved anything makeup, to be honest. I do remember quite significantly this one time. I remember the driveway. I remember everything. I don't know why. And mum was like, 
do you think that that's financially going to help you? Um, Because at the time, like if we look back eight years ago, makeup wasn't as big as it is today. It wasn't as accessible as it is today. The diversity wasn't there. So as a, again, an older perspective now, I can understand her concerns. Um, And I looked into being a lawyer and graph or other things. And whilst there's business in that too. So I quite enjoyed that side. I just, it just wasn't as natural to me as beauty felt. So yeah, I, I just kind of trusted my intuition on that one and kept going down the makeup route. And I bet you're glad that you did. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh my God. Thank God. <laughs> it sounds like you were very independent and you had to be. And very resilient is that something that you look for in your staff now that you have your own company absolutely um I need mini me's (laughs) um so just you know even feedback I think most recently we had an intern for style up and there was a time where I had to give feedback and things like that and I had to really teach them this is a good thing because this feedback is going to allow you to grow and that's certainly something now I guess I can flip from the perspective from theirs and mine to really nurture that relationship and and explain um, why this is a good thing. Very true. And as a business owner, what do you think are some of the key factors in being successful? And what do you also think are some of the challenges, especially in the beauty industry? Resilience is key for me um, because I think that transfers in business in itself. You're going to get knocked back. You're going to, it's going to take 10 times before you get back up again or before you get your next meeting. You're going to come across, you know, a hierarchy or people that um, appear very successful and you might find a deeper layer. So I think that resilience definitely transfers in multiple areas that I work with now. Um, And I would highly recommend women to read some personal development books and things on resilient mindset and shifting that. Have there been any times as a business owner where you've faced some major challenges with your business that you had to overcome? Yes, so many. (laughs) How long do you have, Kim? (laughs) Pick one that Um, came to mind first. Honestly, so many, like, you know, as a business is not seamless. And I think it's one of those things that looks more glamorous than it can be some days. And it is a lot of hours. It's a lot of hustle, especially building something from scratch. So for me, I think, you know, even recently there was an investment deal and and I was so deep in and ready to take it with both hands. But after taking a step back, I had to make sure that that was the right decision for Amplified Beauty. Um, Whilst keeping our future in mind, we had to keep our values and things like that in mind and make sure that there wouldn't have been any, I guess, issues or disagreements and things like that. Um, The investors are great, still got a great relationship with them. Um, And I think, you know, that facing that fear of this is going to be the right decision and it's okay to say no. Um, And I think that would probably reside with a lot of women listening in themselves in many areas of their lives, that it's okay to say no and slow down. Um, And that, yeah, I think in the long, long scheme of things, the grand scheme of things, it will always work out. But that was definitely a challenge. It took me weeks to kind of um, overcome the confusion of, am I making the right decision or am I about to pull away from where I need to be? And um, again, it comes back to trusting your intuition and, and making sure you stick within yourself and back yourself and your vision at the end of the day. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that as women, 
we are kind of raised to be very um what's the word like um, yeah yeah, and like I'll be good. Yes, I'll be on my best behavior. But no, women stand up and be on your worst behavior. Say no. <laughs> um, and, you know, if something doesn't feel right, stand up for because you're not just standing up for yourself. You're then putting a boundary down for other women who may step into those positions after you or things like that. So I'm quite strong on being a female advocate um, with style up probably to my boss's um <laughs> nightmare you know but I think it's just really important um to stand up for what you believe in and stay within your values at all times a hundred percent and I think being able to advocate for yourself and your needs is so important especially as a woman and I feel like being at the helm of your company you are a wonderful role model and it would be you know great to work with someone like you who stands up for herself and see someone in business doing that so go you (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It can be tough sometimes and it's probably my least favorite part of my job, but um, yeah, there's a little fire in me if it feels it needs to come out and it will come out. <laughs> I love that. And you also touched on before that you work for Style Up Magazine. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you do with Style Up and how you um, fell into that role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it just honestly wasn't planned. It was an another business decision that we were going forward with. And um, the owners and I, I remember we were in Brisbane at the time and they put it forward and I was like in utter shock. <laughs> um, I had never been a journalist before and all these things, but I think what the owners had seen was the business skills that would have been transferable in the edit- editorial and, um, you know, just run it like a business and the rest will come kind of thing. And so far I have, and it's been really successful. The growth since I think I've been on for four months now has just continued and it's really exciting to see. We've expanded the team and um, yeah, it's just been really rewarding to share other stories as well and seek those stories and build those relationships personally from woman to woman or woman to man even. And yeah, really relate to people. It's been beautiful. Are there any stories in particular that have been shared in Style Up magazine that really resonated with you or something that really touched you? Yeah, definitely. Um, Patina Tiemann's story I ran really, really sat deep with me because she also comes from an adverse background and she's tackled some, you know, unspeakable challenges that you just wouldn't picture a woman to turn into her own CEO and um, she, I think she runs multiple businesses now and she uses that energy to then lift other women in business. So her story definitely resided with me, I think probably because of the similarity of mindsets and we've, you know, built a friendship from that, which is just insane how you can do that, but definitely hers. And she's definitely someone that I would recommend again for women that struggle with mindset to look up to. I believe she's got a book that they could read as well. Yeah. I'll find the book and I'll pop it in the show notes so that any listeners interested can go and check it out for themselves. You've mentioned Mm -hmm. books a few times. Do you have any books in particular that have really helped you on your own journey? I'm reading one right now. Um, Oh my God, what's it called? The the Smart Moves or Smart Moves, I believe it is. It was recently, I I live on a plane now. (laughs) So that I was like, I need another book to read. And it's more about 
about financial and stepping up into your power and taking control of your finances actually as a woman. Um, as a CEO, you would think I'm like so great at that, but it's actually my worst fear. <laughs> it's probably, you know, my weakest point in, but I think where that comes from is where I have come from and it's scary and it probably brings up a lot. So sometimes for me, it's easier to avoid and just, you know, but it's one of those things we can't avoid as women and we do need to take control of and step into. So that book has been a great navigator for me to kind of let that guard down a little bit. And again, would recommend for other women who may feel, I think it's common for women to feel quite intimidated with finances and money and back-end things that are a little bit more boring than the creative side. So yeah, that's my most recent book I've picked up on. It sounds like you're on planes a lot from what I gathered. <laughs> Can you tell oh, yeah. me a little bit about like what does the average day or maybe what does the average week look like for you as a CEO? Honestly, it changes. It drastically changes week to week. Um, for example, we've got New Zealand Fashion Week coming up and New York Fashion Week coming up. So that's more focusing on style up and getting the cover ready. Whilst in the background, we're actually in the middle of a giant audits for Amplified Beauty and looking at where we're positioned ready for where we want to go, which is hopefully um, the UK, which is quite exciting and a really, really big, big journey for Amplified Beauty and, and looking at how can we do this without giving out equity and how can we do this without, you know, giving up values for investors and things like that. So we're in a gigantic, what I call um, a growth phase, I think it is, sort of the, the calm before the storm. I read a quote the other day and it really sat with me and it said, when things are quiet, it's not because you're not doing anything, it's because you're you're healing and releasing baggage that you don't have time for in your next phase. And I think that's the perfect quote for where Amplified Beauty is sitting right now. That's beautiful. Well, good luck with your future plans to expand to the UK. That sounds super exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. We've got some celebrity teams on board and um, we had them when I went to London in February. I think I was there for four days and we just the networking was insane and who we got on board. So some high profile team members that I yeah am looking to work with and bring a beautiful new campaign and maybe some new products out. That sounds wonderful. Do you have a favorite product in your Amplified Beauty line that you'd like to share? I'm wearing Spanx is probably the most diverse in color. You can wear it out. You can probably ombre it a little bit deeper or you can wear it every day like I am today when you're sitting at your desk and no one's going to see. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's probably my most diverse, but I do love private school as well because I use that as my blush and my lipstick. So that's another favorite. So if anyone um, looks at our lippies, you can use them as blush, eyeshadow, color corrector and, and yeah, very versatile. They're the perfect actually from someone on a plane all the time. Perfect little travel buddies I love the names by the way they are so Thank fun <laughs> they're very cheeky and when you do order one you get a little bag that says hey babe let's lock lips so very cheeky in our marketing um it's actually very interesting you say that because it's something we do need to shift for the UK um which is quite interesting how different markets will look at um yeah different products and names and things but I love them <laughs> so in Australia we'll probably keep that that's so cool wow Sounds like you have a lot on your plate at the moment and probably forever moving forward. Yeah. I think it's in the nature at this point. 
Uh, how do you make time for self-care if you do it at all? Like, do you do anything for yourself? How do you look after yourself outside of your career? Yeah, definitely. Um, This is something I definitely struggled with for a while and it was all about the hustle. And I find that social media glamorizes hustle a little bit. And I really stepped back from that and, and realized, well, this actually isn't glamorous. And I actually suffer from endometriosis as well. So if I don't give time for my body or my mind, my body reminds me (laughs) in the most awful ways with endo. So for me, it's, you know, I think it was last week, it was a very, very heavy week. And it was just taking my lunch break and just putting boundaries down of, you know what? No, I'm going for a beach walk. I'll be contact able to be contacted in an hour or, you know, just really scheduling that time. I think if you don't schedule, it's very easy not to do it and be like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, so my best advice would be to schedule it in, um, especially if you're very busy. Going back to the gym has been amazing for me because it's a little bit of a release and even reading books, honestly, and just find something that's, I don't know, well, you don't have to think. You can just be, you can be creative, you can paint, whatever. Um, I was doing some resin art the other day and I've never done it in my life, but I found it very therapeutic. And so just finding things for your soul rather than something to do. I 100% agree. It's like trying to not turn every hobby into sort of like a new business or yeah. some and sort I, of I did skill. I art. I did my resonant and I was like, no, Shana, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely understand. You need an outlet where it's purely for creation and for joy and to relax. And yeah, I think that's super important as well. So are you yeah. in Australia? Oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Shana? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you can't give the best version of yourself to others if you're not taking care of you. Like, for example, when I'm down with endo, I can't give anyone anything. So, you know, if you're taking care of yourself, you can then take care of others too. Was it a tough journey being diagnosed with endometriosis? Because I've heard from fellow female friends that it took nearly like two years for their diagnosis. So how did you find that whole journey? Two's quick. Mine was nine. Um, so. It's, yeah, it's still an issue and I think it's still quite an understated issue in workplaces and, and probably the larger companies. That, But I believe there is also, we've come a long way as a community and there is a long way to go, yes, but we have come a long way. For me, navigating it without a mom or a dad, it was really hard because I remember being in Melbourne and obviously by that point I was 17 And I kept going to doctors and they told me it was all in my head. I'll never forget. It It was this male doctor. And he said, look, Shana, we've done all the scans. We can't find anything. We think you're a hypochondriac. And at 17, you're going to believe what someone tells you. Someone tells you that you, you believe it. So I actually went home and was like, oh, it's all in my head. You know, there's no pain. And I remember calling my grandma um, because we are very close. And she was like, love, you've been in pain since I can remember. That's not true. And I was like, and that was just such a relief to be heard. So that was really difficult. And it was like, well, where to from here without all the internal ultrasounds that just actually aggravate your pain and things like that. Coming to Adelaide, I reckon it was, I was working a corporate job at the time and it took another female who was in charge at the time. And I said, I had to go due to pain. And she's like, you've got endo. And I said, what? What's endo? I didn't even know what it was. And at this point I was like 22. Um, 
what is endo? And she sat me down and she said, what are your symptoms and things like that? And for an endo warrior, it is definitely easy to pick up if you hear the stories from others. And she's like, you need to go see this person. Um, it was Dr. Joel Wren. Here's our specialist, this person. And I got in quite quickly. And the first appointment I'll never forget is it was Dr. Louise Hole at the Women's and Children's. And she said, the first thing I want to say is your pain is real. And I just remember bawling my eyes out because after nine years of being told there's nothing wrong with you, you know, you go a little bit crazy. Like You think you're crazy. So yeah, for her to say that, I was just, I think it was a release. Like it wasn't a sad cry. It was like, I, oh my God, I'm, I'm not crazy. So it is a very tough journey. Um, I've had surgery and I still get flare-ups or attacks to this day. I'm very lucky to be in a relationship where I've got a very understanding and patient partner where we've come up with nicknames for the different types of pain, the different levels, and he'll know what to do. So that's very important too because the people around you can't see it. It is invisible and if you drop to the ground, I think for them also, it's very overwhelming. So just educating those around you on what they need to do to support you is very important. Um, For me, it's heat packs galore. (laughs) One on my back, one on my belly. Um, I'll know if I can push through something um, or if I just can't move and that's it. You need to just leave me alone. But yeah, sadly, there's not a lot out there still, but I know that there is a lot of research still being done. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with endometriosis because I feel like there are lots of women who have been told by doctors that it's in their head and it is kind of traumatizing to be told that, you know, your thoughts and your sorry, your feelings aren't valid and what you, you're going through not isn't valid. And I think you're right, that diagnosis, like that time period is usually like years and years and years. So thank you so much for sharing because I feel like you'd be quite inspirational to a lot of women who maybe are going through similar struggles to you and have been told similar things. And it's good to know that there's hope and just to keep, you know, knocking on GP's doors. And it's kind of about finding the right person sometimes in health. So um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. There's like Facebook communities and stuff I found after that lovely girl at the corporate job had shown me. Um, and I think when you talk to others with endo, it is also refreshing, but you have to have a fine line of with the communities on Facebook. There was a time I was like, I need to stop reading this because it it's kind of like constant feeding your negativity and things as well. It is a negative experience. So when people are venting, it can be a lot. So I think find that fine line of educating yourself, surrounding yourself by people mm-hmm. who get it, but also try not to get mixed up with how negative it is and and kind of feeding feeding the the devil in a way. Um, yeah, I hope that made sense. But yeah, I think just finding that balance. I think you raise a really good point there. It's like staying educated, but not getting bogged down with the all, all the negative side of it. Because I think once you, you know, get a diagnosis, then you can put an action plan in to manage it and try and focus on just living like the best life you can when you've got like a invisible illness like endometriosis. So yeah, I fully get what you're trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm here to reach if anyone needs to reach out or things like that. It's probably something I don't speak about a lot and I do a lot of panels. So maybe that's something I can also take note of from this podcast and and put it forward. I think you would be an excellent person to speak on it. And I think people would love to hear what you have to say, just like I have and all the listeners have when they hear this episode. 
Um, Shana, before we wrap up this podcast interview, I just wanted to ask you, is there any message you would like to leave the listeners with? If you're taking on the journey on your own and starting a business, hang in there. <laughs> it's not easy for at least the first year. Um, surround yourself by people who have a business, own a business, have run a business. And if you haven't got any, find them. They're not hard to find. There's so many networking groups and things like that. So they're probably the two biggest key takeaways I could provide today. Thank you so much for those insightful messages. I'm sure everyone's going to take something away from today's podcast. Shana, you've been amazing. I wish you all the best with your future ventures and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And thanks again for having me. Be sure to like, review and subscribe as that would mean so much to me. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in to my next episode. 